you. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Praise God. Good morning. If you want to turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, please. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, and just have that open on your lap. I'm going to come back to it in just a moment. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. I'll get it myself. Message number seven, six, seven, in this series. We've all got stuff in us, folks. I doubt if there's one person here or at home who doesn't have issues within us. In your thinking, in your life, stuff that we've got to get out of us. And Jesus fantastically talks when talking about the devil, when talking about sin. He says, the prince of this world is coming and he's got nothing in me. Wonderful statement. And we need to, I guess, get a bit realistic that it's going to take time for you, time for me to unpack some of this stuff. Some of this stuff is not going to move easily. Some will move easily. Some things are quite easy to move on from. Attitudes to change, thinking patterns to change may be quite easy, but some will not be easy. And last week when we just looked at writing stuff down and getting it out on the page, there was one issue that was overwhelming. More people came to the pastors here in the morning and in the afternoon on one subject than any other subject. And that subject was unforgiveness. Not in a bad way. Not that Christians were coming and saying in a nasty way, I can't forgive her, I can't forgive him. Not at all. But rather that many people came forward for prayer and counseling saying, why is it that I still feel so mad? I've been carrying this thing for years. What's wrong with me? Have I not forgiven? I've tried. And you know that is so typical of believers because I found this again and again and again. Christians, when you're born again, you want to forgive. But very often, we don't actually know how to go through the process of forgiveness. And friends, it is not that simple. It's not maybe you know, quite as simple as, as you have perceived, and that could be your problem. So it goes like this. You get up, you go to work, someone says something. Someone does something. Somebody tells a lie about you, or slanders you, or pushes you, or whatever. You get hurt. It all starts with that offense. Somebody does something on you. Tries to put something in you. Blessed are they that love the Lord and nothing shall offend them, the Bible says. When the love of God is in us, nothing will be able to get into us. Nothing shall offend them. But we, you know, in our flesh, we take offense. And something registers within us. And if we're not careful, that thing begins to get a grip inside of us. And even though we may want to shift it, in my experience, sometimes people can't. My own personal experience is I've wanted to forgive and found it it nigh on impossible at one point. I just couldn't find a way through. And then, praise God, I found an answer in this issue. So somebody hurts you. You've you've taken offense and you've you've got to say sorry. Well, there's, there's three ways that People respond when somebody hurts them or lies about them or slanders them. First of all, you can retaliate. You can hit back. You can say something nasty to them. You can push them back or whatever. Right? Secondly, you can forgive and forget. Not maybe that easy. Forgive and forget. Or thirdly, and this is really what I want you to see. Thirdly is the most common. And it's this. You can swallow it if they can use that term. 
And in my opinion, most well-intentioned, born-again believers, when they get a hurt, most don't actually forgive and forget. They don't know the process of, of dealing with forgiveness. And so what they do is they put blinkers on, they swallow it alive, buried alive. And that thing will fester, and it actually turns into anger and then into bitterness. Anger that may not come out against the person you're angry at, by the way. Anger that can come out anywhere. Bitterness that can flow through every part of your life. So what I'm saying is, even well-intentioned Christians, when they take offense, when they get hurt, they end up often swallowing the thing, I'll just pretend it never happened. Oh, of course I forgive them. Hang on, that's not dealing with it. That's not biblically dealing with the problem. You'll see why in a moment. So it's a very, very, very important subject this morning and this evening. Two very important points. Stuff we've looked at before and we will look at again and again and again. Because we get hurt, don't we? We get hurt. Things happen. And I've got to have a constant you know, modus operandi in my mind of how to process these things. I'm going to split the morning into three areas in terms of unforgiveness. Firstly, let's look at the characteristics. The character is actually on the, your notes there. The characteristics of unforgiveness. I want to give you a little uh, breakdown of what it would consist of. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. Matthew 18. I'll start from verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, infinitely. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all, the, uh, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured or tormented, it may say, in your version, until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. This is Jesus talking. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. Lots of shocking things in the Bible, aren't there? Scary things. I guess in terms of the, the, the characteristics of unforgiveness, the definition of it is, first of all, what Jesus says. It's refusing to give to other people what Jesus has freely given to you. 
Freely you have received forgiveness. Amen? Now freely give it to others. If you don't do that, what happens is it begins to become... Chris, could you join me a moment? Sorry, Chris. You ready for this? <laughs> do you know what unforgiveness is like? It is like absolute acid in your system. Do us a favor, Chris. No, it's not acid. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's lemon juice. Would you just drink? Now, Chris, give us a big smile. Chris is a happy chap, right? Drink the lemon juice. A little bit anyway. Just watch the effect it has on his face. Not too good. Not too good. That's what unforgiveness is like. Now, forgiveness, praise the Lord. <laughs> take, take, take the antidote. Put that in your mouth. Praise the Lord. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is like that. Thank you, Chris. Give him a round of applause. Folks, you may have heard some dodgy theology in your time. But I can tell you this. If you're suffering with unforgiveness, eat as much chocolate as you can and everything will be okay. No, I'm only <laughs> Unforgiveness is like acid. And it will burn through your system, affecting everything. In fact, it's astonishing what the Bible says about what bitterness, literally bitterness, does to the body. We'll look at it in a moment. In Proverbs, it says it will rot your bones, holding something inside. So what is unforgiveness? It's, it's refusing to give freely to others what God has so freely given to you. It will become like an acid in your system. And thirdly, you've got a choice on this, friends. There's nobody that doesn't. We can all choose to forgive and to let go. And without wanting to take any risks here, but I don't know if there's anyone here who's suffered, you know, quite like some people around the world have suffered just terribly. You hear some stories, you know, horrific stories. Well, even here, one of the Assemblies of God pastors here in Britain, his daughter was on the Pan Am flight that was blown up over Lockerbie. Remember that? The plane blew up and everybody on it was killed. And he, he's a pastor in England. And the BBC came here and they were, you know, roving around with cameras and they couldn't find anybody who had a relative on the plane until they found him. He was the first person. And it was the 10 o'clock news that night. And they stuck the camera in his face. They haven't even found his daughter's body yet. All they know is it blew up at 39,000 feet and everybody's dead. They found his daughter about three days later in a field. Such a wide sight, you see. And they stuck the camera in his face and said, what have you got to say? And he said, I, I, um, I want to. And this was going out all over the world, linked because it was a bomb, you see. And he said, I want to tell the world that Jesus loves them. And I want to tell the world, what, what about your daughter? My daughter was a Christian. And Jesus loved my daughter. And whoever blew the plane up, God would give them forgiveness. He was on the news at 10 for an hour. Having not even found his daughter's body yet. And you know stories like that, don't you? You hear it all the time. It's shocking. You see, you do have a choice. You can say, and this is what you'll often hear, you don't know what they did. You don't know what she said. Others have suffered a thousand times more and still found it in, you know, their grace to say, I forgive. So can we, friends. Amen? It is a choice, and it is a choice that you can make 
that I can make. It's like acid. It's a choice. It involves self-inflicted pain. If, if, if you don't forgive, who are you hurting? <laughs> You're hurting yourself. Somebody described it like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's a very good description. You're actually hurting yourself, right? Self-inflicted pain. Holding on for unforgiveness means you can't be the person that God wants you to be. Every one of us has a plan. Every one of us, God has got a dream for your life. You cannot fulfill that dream if you keep on forgiveness with you. You can't do it. It isn't going to happen, right? You will not proceed in your walk with God. You're going to stop, like many believers. You're going to be on hold, some for decades. Imagine I was training to be a surgeon or something, you know? And I turn up and I get my gown and my hat and all my stuff and I'm absolutely properly attired to go into the, the theater, you know? And I turn up at the door, except I make a decision that I'm going to bring my cat in with me. So I turn up at the door with my cat. What's going to happen? They're going to say, you're welcome, but that thing is not. And unless you get rid of that thing, you are not going to proceed with your training. Oh, but I want to be a surgeon. You may want to be a surgeon, but you're not going to go any further until that thing is out of you. Right? Unforgiveness will definitely stop your progress in your Christian walk. It's an act of pride, severe act of pride, because what are you saying? He did this to me. It's about you. We refuse to extend that knowing that Christ died for you too. Amen. It's an act of pride. It's a great act of rebellion. Turn to Matthew's gospel a moment again. Matthew chapter 6. And this is one of the most shocking things. Matthew chapter 6. Something we all think we know so well, but maybe don't. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And all over the world, Christians will pride themselves on knowing that prayer. But I tell you this, guys, you could ask in church after church after church, what's the next line? Because there was, no, there was no divisions in the original scripture. There was no chapter numbers. There was no verse numbers. It's just one straight piece of writing. And you could say, what's the next line? Very few know it. Look at the next line. For if you forgive men when they sin against you. So this is one of the principles, teachings of Jesus, the Our Father. But he's not finished. He's got more to say. It's a conditional promise, Right? For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your father, your, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father in heaven will not forgive you. Another scary scripture, right? Well, forgiveness is important, all right. God wouldn't forgive me. God will not forgive my sin. If I don't, from my heart, forgive everyone and anyone who has sinned against me. You can't get much more serious than that, amen? The second section of your notes there, just the the consequences 
of unforgiveness or it residing in us? Well, firstly, bitterness, like I said. Someone who has allowed, you see, look, it starts with unforgiveness and then it manifests in anger, but it turns into bitterness. Talks about it in the book of Hebrews. There's a, it's a thing called a root, a root of bitterness that will get down in your system, right? So bitterness is a major, it's a product of unforgiveness. And that's the top of the consequences, if you like. That's why the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. If you're angry, see, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. Do not let the sun go down on that anger. Because when you go to sleep, guess what? Your brain is working 24-7. Your mind is rehearsing the things that have been done to you. And those things are taking root in your system. Right? And God knows that. So God advises you, hey, watch it, guys. Do not let the sun go down if you're angry because that thing will manifest itself ultimately in a root. And roots are hard to get out, you see. It'll manifest in a root in your life. In fact, in terms of unforgiveness, there's loads of warnings in the Bible. You should never marry someone. A lot of single people here. Don't ever marry someone who's got a problem with unforgiveness. Who don't know how to process. They need to learn to do that. They need to accept you know, to freely forgive. That should be in them. Or you grab them and take them to a pastor and get it dealt with. Right? The Bible says don't even befriend an angry man, guys. Never mind marry one. So be careful. Unforgiveness is serious. Listen, if you marry someone who has a major problem with unforgiveness and they're bitter at this and they're bitter at that, let's say they're bitter at this man here, what's going to happen if he dies? They can't get at him, can they? Who are they going to come for? Who's going to be receiving that bitterness for years? Why are you so bitter all the time? Why are you always angry? Why are you so mad? And the target is not there anymore and it's going to be coming your way. There's many warnings about this. So the consequences are far-reaching. Unforgiveness in your life, the second point there, it's going to affect your prayer life. Look at Mark's Gospel a moment. This is a phenomenal scripture. Once again, scary. <coughs> Excuse me. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that which he says will happen and it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, what's the next bit? Here's all these great promises. I will answer your prayers. If you pray in faith, it's yours. But look at verse 25. Matthew, Mark 11, 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins also. And he says it again. But if you don't forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. So to say that it will affect your prayer life is an understatement. Those great promises that Jesus gives there, ask and you shall receive, what are they based on? Forgiveness. They're based upon you constantly keeping short accounts with those you feel have hurt you, offended you, sinned against you. Oh, it will affect your prayer life, okay? It will affect your worship. In fact, it says that in Matthew 5. Jesus says, if anyone comes to the altar and you come to bring worship, or you come to bring your offering, stop and listen carefully. 
Because he says two different things. He says, and if you remember, as you're just about to put your offering in, and you remember that someone's mad at you, you're not mad at them. You remember there's someone out there who's mad at you. Go and make peace with them. Try to at least. Or, if you remember that you're mad at someone, it works both ways. And he says to, as far as it's possible with you, sort it all out. Try and keep peace with everyone. And then come and worship. Then come and bring your offering. So these, it's enormously far-reaching for any Christian's life. It will block your prayer life if you don't forgive. It's not acceptable worship if we don't live a life of forgiveness. You can't witness effectively. How can we tell people about the love of God and His forgiveness if we are not forgiving, right? We can't do that. And ultimately, they're moving towards the, it's going to affect your relationship. Sorry, the prior point. It will affect your finances. And this is where people will laugh or joke and say, oh, come on. How can not forgiving someone affect my finances? Well, forgiving is a giving. It's one of the givings. There's thanksgiving, right? There's faith giving. There's all sorts of givings that a Christian is engaged in or should be. And forgiving is one of them. And it's something that you practice, something that we should do all the time, become accustomed to, right? So it will block your finances. And I'll tell you why. Because a person who won't easily forgive, won't easily give. Because it's the same funnel through which you're coming, if you like. It's your spirit. And if your spirit's blocked, your spirit's blocked. You find that people who are not generous in forgiveness... Neither are they generous in giving or in any other area of their life. And of course, if you're not going to sow, you're not going to reap. So unforgiveness will definitely block your finances. It will block your spiritual growth. And this is, as I I mentioned earlier, you will find Christians who have stood still for decades. And if you sit them down and go back through their lives, you often find some point at which they got stuck. Some point at which a rift happened and they were not able to put that right. And you can sometimes help that and and heal it. Point seven, it will affect your physical life. Your physical health is affected by unforgiveness being in your system. I won't turn to them now, but Proverbs 14, Proverbs 16, and Proverbs 17 all say that bitterness and anger rot your bones. And of course, it affects your relationships. Holding unforgiveness, nobody wants to be around a bitter person. Not for long. It will affect your relationships. You can actually see bitterness. True? You can see a bitter person. I had a lovely young lad in our church once, and he said to me, he was a delightful fellow. He said, I'm going to bring my dad one day. He's a Christian. I'm going to bring my dad. He kept on saying that, and one day he brought his dad. Goodness me, you would think he had drank the whole bottle, Chris. <laughs> the guy walked in, and I did. I was busy at the beginning. I just stood, and he was just like sitting there, and I looked down, and I thought, whoa, that must be the father looked completely full of bitterness to the core. And at the end of the meeting, I went over and said, hello. And so he was, bitter at this church, bitter at that church, a whole gallon full, full of bitterness. And we began to pray for him. And our prayers worked, I tell you. He had a heart attack, actually. He nearly died. You can laugh if you want it's okay. He had a heart attack. It's got a good ending. It's okay. 
He had a heart attack and he nearly died. Right? And he's lying there. They CPR. They bring him back. And you know what happened? Something happened to him on that table. And all the bitterness was like a flush toilet. All that bitter lemon juice just left him. And he walked back in like three, four months later. And I think he was a little bit frightened of us, you know. I only just came here and then he died. He walked in and sat down. And I looked down. Do you know, you wouldn't recognize him. It was all gone. And he was happy. He had a good disposition. I said to him, man, that did you so much good. You should have another heart attack as soon as possible. (laughs) All that was in him, if the devil's got something in you, he will use it. And the devil had something in that man. We didn't cause his heart attack. But it did help. A little bit of suffering, you know, it really did help. It made him think and it moved him. It shook him to the point where he calculated his life. As he was lying there, what sort of person am I? What sort of person has life made me? That I'm this bitter. And he probably realized, I'm not ready to die, am I? This is a disgrace. And so he left it all there. Is there a cure? I know that's all very negative. It's just an analysis of the situation that we find ourselves in. Is there a cure for for unforgiveness? Praise God there is. That's it there. It's a sort of a breakdown of some things that you may find helpful for you. The first thing I would say to you is take it seriously. I have a very close friend in ministry called Peter Finch. I've worked with him for a long time. He was my senior pastor for 10 years or more. We're still very close. In fact, he was sitting on this platform just three weeks ago. And over the years, we hardly ever had any trouble with one another. We got on very well. But this one day, we had an argument. Now, I can tell you folks, you can have an argument with your wife, you can have an argument with your husband, you can have an argument with your flatmate. You can have all sorts of arguments. But believe me, when you have an argument with the person who's over you in the Lord, you got problems. Big problems. It's different from everything else, scripturally, spiritually. I won't go into it today. But it's a completely different world you enter into when you're arguing up line, I can tell you. So we had this argument on the phone. And it's just like we've never had this before. And I'm in the city center and he's at home. And I'm out of sorts. How can I pray? How can I live? So I got on a bus. And I traveled up to that man's house. I knocked his door, you know. And he was shocked. Oh oh my God. What are you doing? I'm here because we had an argument. And I can't live my life. I can't pray. I can't do anything whilst I'm out of sorts with you. And he was like, okay, come in. You know, I sat down. I said, Peter, I'm sorry if there was anything I said, but I see this this way. And he was an extremely gracious man and he was extremely gracious then. He said, okay, let's just drop it. And we did and we let it go. You see, he was saying to me, it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? What do you mean it doesn't matter? I take it seriously. There's a rift between us. There's an issue between us. I can't live like this. We're going to put this right and we're going to put it right now. Do you get the point? The person who has hurt you or the person who you have hurt may not care. They might not have the wisdom for that or the insight for that. But from this day on, you know the difference and you take it seriously. So if anyone has anything against you, you put it right. If you have anything against anyone, blah, 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 right? You take it very seriously. Assume full responsibility. Even though it's not your fault, maybe, 
Well, you can do that. He said, okay, I'm sorry. And be the peacemaker. Confess your faults honestly. Acknowledge it as sin. And remember, folks, it may sound like Sunday school, but listen carefully right now. Listen to me. Look at me. Do not treat people the way they have treated you. Have people treated you badly? Have they lied about you? Do not lie back. Very simple. Don't treat others the way they have treated you. Don't seek revenge, but rather do the exact opposite. Confess your sin. Relieve yourself of that, that horrible unforgiveness. Acknowledge it as sin. Lay down that anger. And you may need to go to someone, and I hope you can be bold enough to do this. Go to someone and say sorry. Someone you have offended. When I got saved, I had offended many people over many years, but there was two people that I really, really, really messed up their lives. And I was incredibly sorry now. I'm just born again, and I don't know which way is up, but I do know I hurt them. And they hated me. In fact, I thought one of them would physically attack me if he ever saw me. So I wrote them both a letter. I knew where they lived. Hi. Born again now. And I, I was very bad to you. And I am very sorry. Would you please forgive me? And late at night, coward, you know. Late at night in the dark, I popped those letters in. And friends, do you know what? To my shock, both of those individuals came to see me. Both, separately. Neither of them knew what I was doing with the other. Both came to me separately. And both of them walked in, letter. I remember actually the man walked in, put the letter in and said, What's that? I'm saved now. <laughs> Sorry. And in fact, he left saying, Maybe there is a God. That you would write, Maybe there is a God. It's the last I ever saw of them. Forgiveness is powerful. Unforgiveness, a powerful, powerful tool to destroy. And forgiveness, a powerful tool to heal. When I was a child, there was nine in our family, right? And you can imagine a family of nine, lots of kids. You're going to have rough and tumble and fights here and fights there. And as I was growing up, my mum used to say, pretty often, ha ha, Michael, he never holds anything against anyone. And I heard that every few months if there was an argument or something, ha ah, well done, Michael. He never holds anything against anyone. And that's how I was. Not a problem. I didn't have an issue with it until I got saved. And when I got saved, the thing that was a strength as a lost person became a weakness as a believer. Ooh, I didn't expect that. What I was good at lost, I found major issues with, especially in the early years, I found myself struggling with forgiveness. So much so, this one guy particularly, two guys, this one guy really hurt me. And try as I may to get it out of my system, it was always there. I'm still angry. And I would pray and I forgive, I forgive. So much so I got a couple of friends and I went to seek counsel on it. I said, what is the problem with me? 
I said I'm sorry. I, I, I asked for forgiveness. But somehow I know that that thing is in me. And I don't want it in me. The devil's got something in me. And I want it out. I just don't know how to do it. One day I was sitting in a meeting. And th- this guy who's really offended me is there. And he happens to make a comment to say that he's in financial trouble. And suddenly, everything makes sense. Jesus said, do good to those who hurt you. Love your enemies. And I remember in, th- in that, that day really changed me permanently. Because as I heard that he was in trouble financially, I went and got money. And I gave it to a mutual friend and I told her, don't you ever tell him this came from me. Give him that money. Now friends, I can tell you from personal experience, as someone who struggled to forgive, it wasn't because I didn't want to. It wasn't. It was because I didn't know how to. Love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you. I didn't do that. I didn't obey the simplest of commands. And on that day, when I handed over that cash, all I can say is that there was goodness. You know, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. All I can say is as as I handed over that cash and I did good to the one who offended me, goodness entered me. And I could feel it and it was great. It's freedom. At last I get it out. Hallelujah. Do good. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Love your enemies. The simplest of commands, but we overlook it. And for me, well, that was my deliverance. So this morning, and the last slide please. This morning, what you've got to do, what I've got to do, very simple, to walk in a life of forgiveness, is it starts with you. It starts with you forgiving yourself. God's not shocked at you, right? He's not shocked by your sin. He's not shocked when you're a bad girl or a bad boy. I was the ninth child in our family. So when I wanted to manipulate my mother, I would throw myself on the ground and scream. Mind you, I was only six at the time. I'm not saying I did this recently. I would throw myself on the ground and scream and, and, and stamp my feet. And my mother would say, Number nine, it ain't going to work. It didn't work for number one. It didn't work for number two. And it certainly isn't going to work for you. Number 10 billion over there. Your sin is not a shock to God. You're not some horror to Him. The problem is not God's end. God has forgiven you totally paid for your sin but you must forgive yourself if you don't forgive yourself you're not going to have anything to give to others you need to be liberated yourself you are forgiven amen and if if you're not saved here this morning turn to christ jesus said this wonderful thing if anyone turns to me i won't cast them away anyone anyone turns to me I won't cast them away. So God offers freely forgiveness. And now we've got to receive it. The first thing you've got to do today, here and now, 
forgive yourself totally. Secondly, forgive God. You'll say, well, God hasn't done anything wrong, has he? No. But remember, Jesus said, if, if someone has something against you or you have something against them, people can accuse you of things you never did, can't they? People walk around with anger towards you and you didn't do anything, true? And so it is towards God. Many people can walk around with an anger towards him and they're holding things about life. Forgive yourself, amen. But you need to vindicate God. Vindicate him right now, here today. God, you have done nothing wrong. And then we get to the last one. That you can freely forgive others. Would you sing, Eileen, to us? Maybe the worship team. Just stay seated. Would you sing, um, You're Beautiful to Me? Please, just stay seated a moment. I want you to work your way through that list. Could you leave the list up, please? I want you to work your way through that list. Just take, we're always in a rush because we have things to do. But this is too important. I want my prayers answered. I want to have good relationships. So you just work your way through. Forgive yourself fully. Forgive God. And if there's anyone out there, don't dump on people, you know. I don't mean go and stir things up that are long dead. I don't mean that. But if there's anyone that you know you've got a living bitterness towards, make a commitment here this morning to put that right. Just relax a moment while Eileen sings to us.
forgive us if ever we have blamed you or held things against you or judged you because we have misunderstood what's happened in our lives we hold nothing against you Lord and forgive us if we should ever think to do so and lastly that which is so pleasing to you we forgive Everyone, Lord, from our childhood, Lord, to our school days, our families, our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, all those who would ever have offended us, we forgive. And give us wisdom, God, from this moment on to act wisely, that if it's good and if it's right that we should go and say sorry let us do that if it's best just to leave something lie then god let us have the wisdom to do that but this morning we forgive in jesus name thank you for listening to today's program i trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.